Anybody here been touched? Yeah. <laughs> mm. Praise God for his touch. We're glad to have Brother Greg and Sister Deborah Wickett with us this morning. I don't know how far you came to church, how, how far you had to drive, but they drove all the way from Maine. <laughs> so they get the prize for that. They're here, of course, for Sister Lorraine Wickett's service Tuesday, but uh, we're glad to have you all with us today. All right, we're on a series called How God Changes His Children. And today I want to talk about remembering and forgetting. Found in Philippians chapter 3, I gave the bulletin crew just verse 14 and 15, but it's actually 13, 14, 15, my bad. But here's the scriptures I'm going to read. I'm going to read it here. It's the New King James Version. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think, other, anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. I heard a saying one time that tickled me the way it sounded. Somebody said this, I've been forgetting for as long as I can remember. Uh, <laughs> one old man went to a doctor and said, Doc, I'm concerned. I'm starting to forget things. The doctor said, really? When did this start? He said, when did what start? So a lot of times uh, we forget things a lot. There's things we're supposed to remember. There's things we need to forget. Jesus said this, three... If you don't know any other verses, you need to know this one. Remember Lot's wife. Solomon said, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. God told Moses, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Jesus said this, and we say it at every communion. Do this in remembrance of me. And, of course, the most power, one of the most powerful scriptures in the word is an old thief on the cross said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So there's a lot of things we're supposed to remember. Uh, there's a lot of things we tend to forget. Uh, we, we got rid of our Dish TV here uh, last week, and Brandon and Crystal and talked us into YouTube, the streaming, and it's working fine. We just got to get used to it a little bit. The only thing that concerns me on our Dish remote control we lose it about once every three weeks, and we have to do something to beep and it'll tell us where it's at. I don't know if this thing has it, so we might be buying one of these about once a month. Anyway, uh, so we got to remember things. Uh, earlier this year, the women had a women's steak supper, and uh, my daughter was here at the time, and her three children, her husband was overseas, and uh, she was not going to go, and I said, you need to go to the steak supper. I'll watch the kids. She said, Dad, you sure? I said, yes, I can. that's my grandkids. I can watch them. I said, okay. She said, okay. Well, I got over there to her house about 6.15 or 6.30. And she said, okay, here, listen now, remember. <laughs> she said, the little one, uh, he's got a bottle here or something. He goes down about 7 o'clock or 7.30. He's already been bathed. He's been changed. He's been fed. But he'll need something before, uh, before he goes to bed. And uh, he may whimper just a little bit, but he'll go right to sleep. He said, the other two, they're going to be out playing. They've already had supper. 
Bring them in about 7, 7.30, let them get their bath. From 7.30, between 7.30 and 8, you're going to need to read them some Bible stories. I said, I can do that. And she said, uh, and then they're going to go to bed about 8 o'clock, but they're going to try to, since you're with them, they're going to try to stay up till 8.30 or so, but don't let them bluff you. I said, I won't. And uh, anyway, they went off to the women's steak supper. And everything was going pretty well for a while. Uh, they, I brought them on in here, and they got their bath. And uh, meanwhile, while they were getting cleaned up and getting their bath, getting ready for bed, ready for a bedtime story, the little one, I went to put him down to go to sleep. She said, he'll whimper for 30 seconds, and he'll go right off to sleep. Well, it was a, not a whimper. It was a blood-curdling scream <laughs> for five minutes. And I, I said, something's wrong. And I went and checked and see if he needed to be changed, and he was okay. And I walked around a little bit for about five minutes with him, and I put him back in there, and it was another blood-curdling scream. And it went on five minutes, ten minutes. started to be two screaming in there, me and him, because I started, it was about to drive me crazy. And after 15 minutes, I think he finally wore out. Anyway, I got the other kids in there, read them a bedtime story, put them into bed about 8.15 or so. We went a little over. Anyway, she comes back from the women's ministry, uh, steak supper. said, how'd it go? I said, everything went fine. The kids, they kept, I kept them up for extra 10 or 15 minutes. They went on to bed. And, but the little one, you lied to me about the little one. He didn't go to bed with a little whimper. She said, really, he's always, he goes right to bed. I said, no. Uh, she said, did he need changing? I said, no, he didn't need changing. She said, I just don't understand. I said, I don't either, because he screamed for a long time, and I started to scream. And she said, uh, well, did you give him his bottle? I said, bottle? She said, yes, Daddy. I told you. You give him that bottle before he goes down to sleep. I said, I don't remember that. <laughs> she said, my poor child went to bed starving. And I said, I'm sorry about that. Anyway, I, I couldn't remember for nothing. I'll remember next time, I guarantee you that. Here's the problem with Christians. I've said this before, and it's, it's, it's worth repeating. We forget what we need to remember, and we remember what we need to forget. And remembering and forgetting is a big part of how God's going to do a work in your life. You're going to have to remember some things. You're going to have to forget some things. Let's look at that today. All right, things to remember. Paul's letter to Philippi. What we're talking about here is what God's doing in us to change us uh, into the likeness of the image of Jesus Christ. It's called sanctification. It's a process. It goes on. It'll be going on for the, here till Jesus calls you home. Philippians 1, 6, we kind of adopted that as kind of a theme, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's he going to be working in us from here on out. Praise God for that. I'm thankful for that. You know, we change whenever we get born again, we change, but we're going to be changing all the rest of our life. I, I hope so anyway. Anyway, we're, we live in a day of instant gratification. Everybody wants something to be done instantly. We, we like get-rich-quick schemes. You can also get poor-quick schemes. And, uh, but this is a process. This is a marathon. This is not a sprint. It's a long-distance race. It takes time to do things. It takes time for God to get things out of us and get things in us sometimes. 
It takes time uh, to get an education. It takes time to grow a garden until you're eating out of that garden. It takes time to get a good meal. It takes time to raise a child. It takes time to develop a skill or a talent. It takes time to be holy. It takes time to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. Paul spent the first part of chapter 3 talking about his past life, his personal life, and, and his accomplishments before he came to Christ. He was very proud of some of the things that he had going in his life, but he realized they were not those legalistic things that he was doing, and we'll look at in a minute, were not bringing him closer to God. They were really keeping God at a distance. You're saying, I can do this, do this, this, and you don't need God so much because you're doing everything for him. We're, we're, we need our past. We need to remember our past. We need to remember where we came from because that's what led us, along with the Spirit of God drawing us, led us to Jesus. So we don't just forget about our past, but we, we've been born again. We're moving on higher now. We're going, like the old song, I'm, I'm on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on solid ground or higher ground. That's what we want to do. Okay, so that's what he's going to talk about. He said, you've got to remember some things, and you're going to have to forget some things to grow in his grace and knowledge. Reminders from the Word of God. To grow in sanctification, you've got to remember things. For me to remember something, I've got to do it over and over again. I've got to have repetition. Uh, I've got to do it more than once. One of the things about this day and time in which we live now, you've got to have a password for everything. To get into your bank account, or you've got to have this, or what, you got this. If you don't remember your password, you're in trouble. You don't have to miss the whole thing up. Just miss one letter. Just one letter. If you Don't capitalize. Don't put this in there. Get something switched. And that messes the whole thing up. You locked out. You can't get in. That's just the way it is. All right. We've got to remember some things. We've got to have a conscious reminder. So I'm just going to pick out a few things that the Bible, Jesus, Paul, and others told us, you better remember this because if you don't remember these things, you're not going to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord like he wants you to in sanctification. Here's one right here. I just picked some out. You can do this as a study sometime for yourself. Remember, the servant is not greater than his Lord. John 15, 18 through 21. This is Jesus talking. Here he is. He's at the, it's at the Passover at his last supper. He's in an upper room, and it's a personal time. He's telling these old boys, boys, I'm, I'm going to be leaving he said this, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Here's what it is. Remember, he said, now I want you to remember that the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. Okay, he said, remember this. Remember this. It's going to happen to you, whatever happens to me. You know, we can all say, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Salvation is a free gift. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. We don't work our way toward it or anything. It's freely given. But to give your heart to Jesus comes with a price we say it just well just raise your hand and repeat after me sign this card mm -mm. That, it can be that simple but it, it's, got, it's a heart commitment he's coming after your heart he's coming after my heart 
And it, it ain't just some thing. If it really happens, it's going to be. And when you, and when you give him your life, your subject, it's, it's going to be a cost. You, you might lose some friends. You might lose some family. You might lose your life. That's just what it takes. He says, don't be surprised at that. They hate me. They're going to hate you too. And they persecuted me. They're going to persecute you too. So remember, don't ever forget this. You're not greater than uh, the master here. Just fall in line. You're a servant. Be prepared for it. Here's another thing we're told to remember. Acts 20, 35. Remember, it's more blessed to give than to receive. All right, let's look at this. Acts 20, 35. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember, this is Paul saying, remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Giving is a characteristic of a child of God. It is some, it's part of the many different manifestations that your heart's been transformed. Uh, we just give. We're not... Our nature is to be selfish, self-centered. That's human nature. My name's Jimmy, and I'll take all you give me. That's, that's the old nature most people want. And that's the way we are with God. I'll take everything God. But a, a child of God is a giver, is a giver. You have a giving heart. There's, there's a lot of reasons for that. I, I read one time of a story of a little fishing town on the coast of California, and the commercial fishermen would come in with a catch a certain time in the morning or whatever, and there was a big restaurant there, and they would get the fresh fish and seafood that day, and they would go ahead and clean the fish and throw it out there and off the dock and everything. And pelicans would come in there and just gorge uh, because they had a big meal. And this went on for months and months and months and years. And then eventually they figured out that you can take those fish heads and things and sell them and make some money off them so they quit cleaning them on their own the on the dock like that and the pelicans got skinnier and skinnier and somebody said what happened to the pelicans they look like they're dying he said because for so many years they've been given and given and they didn't know they've done forgot how to fish for themselves and a lot of times we're so big on what god's going to do for us there's nothing coming out of us a, a, a stagnant pond is one that's there's nothing flowing in or out of. It's just stagnant. If God can get things to, uh, through us, he'll bring things to us. But you've got to remember that. It's more blessed to, to, to give than to uh, receive. Here's another thing. Remember this. Avoid useless arguments. Look at 2 Timothy 2.14. This is what he said. Remind them, or make sure everybody remembers this, of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. Okay, words are powerful. Life and death is in the tongue. The power of life and death is in the tongue. You can have the power to bless or curse. The tongue can no man tame. We can tame animals, but you can't tame it yourself. God's got to tame it. And God's the only one that can tame it. The Bible says... What, the, what comes out of our mouth, of course, is what's in our heart. Out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart, uh, abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's easier to sin with your tongue than any other way. There's four reasons God gave us a tongue. The ability to talk, to communicate. I've said these before, but here they are. Your tongue is a vessel to praise Him. Amen. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. 
You bless him in the morning, bless him at the noontime, bless him when the sun goes down, the old song said. It's, a, it's an instrument to praise. It's an instrument of prayer. With your tongue, you can say to that mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. By prayer, God can come down and intervene and do things that we can't even begin to imagine. There's more things that are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. It's an instrument of prayer. It's not only an instrument of praise and prayer. It's an instrument of edification or encouragement. With your tongue, you have the ability to lift up those who have fallen, to encourage those that are discouraged, to give hope to those that are hopeless. You can change somebody's life if you speak encouragement to them. And the fourth thing your tongue's good for is evangelism. You get a chance to tell other people there is a Savior. There is a way of forgiveness. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. You get a chance with your tongue to let people know about this Jesus and to see their life change forever. Uh, the old song we used to sing, I love to tell the story, will be my theme in glory, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and of love. So that's what our tongue's for. So he's saying there, remember, a tongue that's used for so many good things, don't use it on filthy arguments and griping and grumbling and things like that. Don't let it be used for that. Most arguments are just people either trying to destroy somebody else or trying to shoot down their ideas, their views, and trying to do something damage. So anyway, there's a lot of things you can go through there. What the Bible says you better remember. This is just a few of them. You know, one of the reasons the Holy Ghost is given to us, not just to empower us, not just to guide us, not just to be our helper, not just to be our comforter, not just to be all these things. Yes, he's there to help us remember. Do you know that? That's one of the roles of the Spirit of God. Let's look at just a little bit in John, John's Gospel, what it says about the Holy Ghost. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. The Holy Spirit will bring things back to our mind, to our heart, if you've got them in there. So anyway, there's a lot of things, I won't go any farther, that you need to remember. If you don't keep remembering these things, God's not going to be able to work in your life to change you like he wants to. There's also things you've got to forget. Now, somebody said, that'll be easy. No, it won't either. No, it won't. Things to forget. We need to forget, first of all, our past accomplishments. A lot of people love to tell about what they used to do and what they used to be and all this kind of stuff. And Paul was kind of, seemed like he was putting his resume out there, what he had come from. And he had a lot. If you want to look at his resume, he had a lot. Look at verse 4 of this chapter here. Though I might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks that he may have confidence in the flesh, I am more so. He said, if you want to put your resume up against mine, my old life, I'll, I'll, I'll challenge you to do that. But I don't, if I was going to have confidence in the flesh, I got a lot to stand on. But here's what he had to say about earlier in this chapter. He said, I'm a Jew. I was the apple. Jews are the apple of God's eye. They were God's chosen people. Not because they were better than anybody else, but God chose them sovereignly and out of his own will. Uh, I don't know about you. I'm proud. I'm proud of my race. I'm proud of uh, my country. I'm proud of a lot of things. But you know what? I don't believe there's going to be an American flag flying in heaven. I don't believe we're all going to be speaking English in heaven. There's a lot of things that I'm proud of here, but that's not going to 
get me anywhere with the Lord. I'm, Paul said, I'm proud of my rank. Look at verse 5. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. The stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin, we looked at it in Sunday school today. Benjamin and Joseph were Jacob's two favorite children because they came from Rachel, the love of his life, and so forth. Benjamin was the only one that was born of all the children that were born in the promised land. Saul was the first king of Israel. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin, uh, when the nation was divided into the Israel and Judah, Benjamin and Judah became the tribe of Judah. So Benjamin, uh, he said, I'm from that tribe. He was proud of his lineage. He said, I'm proud of my tradition. Look what he said in verse 5d. Uh, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He said, that's what I was. In other words, there were a lot of Jews that became Hellenized. In the Greek culture in those days, they adopted the Greek culture, the Greek ways, the Greek language, and all these things. He said, not me. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I have not been Hellenized, even though uh, he's been around it all his life. He said, I stayed with the, 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 the tradition of what I was raised in. He says this, not only tradition, but religion. Look what he says in verse 5. Again, he says, concerning the law... I was a Pharisee. The Pharisees were the conservative. They were the blue collar. There were Sadducees. They were the upper crust a little bit. They were more liberal. They take some of the Bible and throw out the rest of it. They didn't believe in this, this, and this. Not the Pharisees. They were conservative. They believed everything. They had a tendency to be judgmental and legalistic. But they were very, very staunch. Now, Jesus come along and said, if you don't have more than the scribe and the Pharisees, you won't even see the kingdom of heaven. That shook them all up because they said, if anybody's going to heaven, it would be a Pharisee because they're strict and they do everything by the letter. And Paul said, I was a Pharisee. I was very proud of what I came from. He said, I was sincere. I was zealous in verse 6. Concerning zeal, he said, you, you talk about how much you care about your religion. I persecuted the church. In other words, he says, I believed in this. I wasn't just a pew sitter. I, I, I believed in God's way, and if anybody was going against God's way, I, I tried to put them out, dismiss them, put them to death, arrest them, whatever it took. I really cared for my religion. I was very zealous. I didn't play church. Then he says, I was legalistic and righteous. Here's what he said in verse 6. I was blameless. That doesn't mean he was perfect. He's not saying I was a perfect individual. He said, no, I kept every bit of the law. I studied the law, I read the law, I kept the law, I obeyed the law. I was blameless. I did not dismiss any of it. But none of that stuff made me right with God. All those things that I'm so proud of or was proud of in my early life that didn't make me right with God. Richard Dunnigan, author of Leadership Magazine years ago, he said one day he went out to a garage sale and he saw somebody had an old aquarium there and he said you know i'd like to get an aquarium i'm gonna take it to the house and get some fish for the kids to look at and things like that and it was algae filled and dirty and hadn't been cleaned in months years probably but he got a good deal on it took it home got some chlorine clorox and different things cleaned it up real nice and shiny went down to the pet store and got some fish put the fish in there and they all died floated to the top I said, wow he went and got some more put them in there and they, they all died there's something wrong with the fish. They eventually found out he tried, what he did was try to clean up his aquarium. 
And everything he'd used to clean up that aquarium was killing the fish. He was doing more harm than good by trying to clean it himself. And that's what Paul was doing. I was doing my best in my old life to clean myself. And it was really keeping me away from God until I met him on the Damascus Road. So he said, I've got to forget some of those things. I've got to forget some of my accomplishments. Here's some things you're going to have to forget if God's going to work in your life. You've got to forget Missed opportunities. There's a lot of things in this life I regret. A lot of people can't go forward because they can't get over what's holding them back. They can't get past missed opportunities. Listen to this. Cary Grant, the actor, he turned down the role to play James Bond back in the early 60s. He said, I didn't need it. I was already pretty famous. Bad mistake. (laughs) Sean Connery who took the Bond role, was very successful. But he turned down the role, and I I may not pronounce this right because I've never seen Lord of the Rings, but it's called Ganda for Gonda. He was given that role. I turned it down. He was supposed to get 15% of the box office receipts. He said that decision cost me over $400 million. Ross Perot, who ran for president a while while back, he had a little old snotty-nosed 23-year-old geek named Bill Gates came up to him, wanted to sell him Microsoft, the majority interest in Microsoft. He said, nah, I don't think, I think it's a little bit overpriced. He said that cost him billions of dollars. So there's a lot of regrets that we have. I looked up, these are the 25 biggest regrets people have in their life, missed opportunities or missed this. I'm not going to read all 25, but I'll give you the top five. Number one, I work so much at the expense of my family. Number two, I regret I did not stay in contact contact with my friends from childhood and youth. I thought about that. The boys I went to college with, the Christians, a few years ago I called one of them. I hadn't spoken to them in 30 years. And I asked him about some of the others that we hung out together. He said, that one there is running a bar now. That one there, his wife died, lost his child, and he's done this. I wish I'd have kept up with all these guys. I regret I applied for a safe career instead of the one I really wanted. I wanted, my heart wanted to do this, but I said, I'll play it safe and do this. I'll regret it when I look back over my life. Number four, I regret not working harder on my first marriage. Number five, I regret, well, we can all say amen to this, I regret not taking better care of my health when I was younger. And it goes 25 different regrets. A lot of people say, I regret I didn't study God's Word more fully. I regret I didn't pray more. I regret I wasn't a better witness. I regret this. Whenever I got saved, this was in 1975, the family was singing, and uh, I didn't really want to sing with them, but I wanted to do something for the Lord. So I said, I'm going to learn. I'm going to get a guitar. I was 20 years old. I'm going to get a guitar and try to learn how to play the guitar. And I fiddled with it and played with it along behind them a little bit. But I never really tried to learn it too much. And I regretted that. I said, you know, if I could have, like the little white-haired lady over here, <laughs> she was made to practice as a child. Mom, her mom and them make her practice. For those years, and she, of course, is gifted and anointed by God, but she's been blessing us for 75 years because she, she put forth the effort. 
You can have a lot of regrets. I missed an opportunity. Billy Graham, he was at the inauguration of President John Kennedy. And he said he was talking to Kennedy. And Kennedy said, do you believe in the second coming of Jesus? He said, oh, yes, I do. He said, our church believes in it, but I've never heard any of them teach it. That was, he's a Catholic. He would never heard any of them talk about it. He said, well, let, let's get together and talk about it. He said, okay. Well, anyway, push comes shove, they never got back together. They come together for the National Day of Prayer or whatever it is. Back in 63, Billy Graham was supposed to sit, sing, uh, not sing, he was supposed to preach. And he was very sick. He had a bad cold and some things. And uh, he spoke. And John Kennedy said, hey, you think we can get together? He said, I, I'm sick. I don't want to give you this. Let's get together a little bit later. Of course, we know in the end of 1963, Kennedy was assassinated. Billy Graham said, I carried that the rest of my life, yep. missing an opportunity. Yep. If you don't let go of some of those regrets, you'll miss the opportunities God's got for you today. Don't hang on to things you didn't do. Look for what opportunities God's going to give you now. For you to grow, you're going to have to forget the missed opportunities. Another thing you're going to have to forget, you're going to have to forget your sorrows. I'm going to tell you this. There's plenty of hurts and sorrows in this life. I don't care how tough you are and how big a man you are or anything. You're not going to get through this life without some pain and sorrow. There's going to be some tears. There's going to be some hurts. There's going to be some wounds. Sometimes people hurt you. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, people can go into deep depression. Some people can blame God. Some people can blame others, can, can blame themselves. But sorrow, sometimes, if you, if you can't get over it, you're going to have a difficult time. We've all heard the story of the elephant tied up the, from the circus. The elephants, they put a, a rope around its leg and tied it to a post. And the man said, man, that big elephant could jerk that post up with no trouble whatsoever. He said, how do you get him to just stay there, just tied with that little post and rope? He said, when he's very young, right after he's born, we put a chain around his leg and tie him to a steel post, a concrete post that he can't pull up. But he pulls and pulls and pulls for weeks and weeks and months and can't break free. And after a while, he quits trying it. So you can tie him up to a little post with a little rope and he won't go anywhere because he's tried so much and he give up. He give up pulling the pain it brought him. There's a lot of things in the Bible that people's been hurt. We talked about it in Sunday school today, Joseph. I would say of the people in the Word of God, of the top five that's been hurt the most, Joseph being the top five. When your brothers want you dead or sell you for a little bit of pocket change, that's a, that's a hurting thing. You don't get over that easy. When a woman accuses you of rape and you didn't do anything and you got to go to prison and you lose your freedom, you don't get over that very easy. But one of the most beautiful things about Joseph was when he was reconciled with his brothers and he introduced himself to them and told them who he was and they wept and cried. You know the rest of that story of Joseph? Joseph got married and he had two boys, Manasseh and Ephraim. And you know what Manasseh means? God has made me forget. It's all gone. Let me tell you something. We're counting on God to do that for us. He said he put it as far as the east is from the west, put it in the depth of the sea. You're going to have to get rid of some of your hurts. I'm going to, I'm going to show you a little something. I'm going to tell you a little story. 
When I was in school, I listened to all kinds of music. I wasn't a Christian or anything, but I wasn't never any hard rock type person. I didn't care for that. That was racket. But I like soft rock. I like rhythm and blues. I like soul. I like all kinds of music. This happened after I got out of high school, and I've heard this song. I didn't know who these people were, but I read the story, and I wanted to hear the, the story behind the song. It got, the group was called Mike and the Mechanics, and, his, and Mike's name was Mike McCullough. No, Mike Rutherford, I'm sorry. And this song won four Grammys. Came out in 1988. And here's the story behind it. This is what got my attention. Him and his father didn't get along. He was rebelling and wanting to go into the rock music. His dad was a military guy, and they butted heads. They didn't get along. He, did, he just kept, kept away from his father. He had nothing to do with him for many years. He was over here in America in Chicago at a concert. You know, they were having it on tour, and he got word that his daddy was sick. He said, I'm not going. A few weeks later, he finally went back over to England. He was from England to see his mother and family. Daddy had been buried. And he got to looking at his daddy's memoirs. His daddy was in the Royal Navy in World War II, World War III. No, not World War III, still to come. <laughs> and the, the Korean War. He was in those wars. He started looking at what his dad did, some of the things his dad said, listened to the stories of the other family members. He'd been apart from his dad for a long time. And in the song, this is what the words that got, the song's called The Living Years. He said, I wasn't there that morning when my father passed away. I didn't get to tell him all the things I had to say. I think I got his, I called his spirit later that same year. I'm sure I heard his echo in my baby's newborn tears. I just wish I could have told him in the living years. And the course said, say it loud, say it clear. You can listen as well as you hear. It's too late when we die to admit that we don't see eye to eye. Let me, let me play you a little clip of that. I could have told him 
There's a lot of truth in that. A lot of truth. You've got to learn how to forget missed opportunities, the sorrows in your heart, the scars from the battles and the wounds and the hurts. Verse 13, and we're going to wind this down. Paul said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. You need to circle that phrase right there. This one thing, it means this is my priority. You remember the rich young ruler came up to Jesus said, what do I need to do for eternal life? Jesus said, you know the commandments. He listed some of them. He said, I've kept all of them since I was a kid. And Jesus said this, this one thing, go sell what you've got, give to the poor, come follow me. That's the one thing standing between you and me. David, David was a man after God's own heart. What's a man after God's own heart care about? This is his priority. He said, one thing have I desired. That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire of his temple. My number one priority, he says, to be in God's presence. That, that, that's above everything else in my life. You come on down to the New Testament, Martha and Mary. They, Jesus going over to their house for supper, and she's fried, Martha's in there fried chicken and making greens and things like that, and Mary's sitting at his feet. Martha got mad and said, Make Mary come in and help me. And Jesus said, Martha, Mary has chosen the one thing that can't be taken away from her. John chapter 9, there was a guy that was born blind. Jesus healed him. It, it ruffled the feathers of the religious crowd, as it always did. And they went to his parents. What happened to this boy? And they, wasn't gonna say, they wasn't even going to stand up for their child because they got, might get kicked out of the synagogue. They said, he's old enough, ask him. He said, who was this that healed you and did this and all this. He said, I don't know. I don't know if he's a prophet. I don't know what he was. One thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. One thing is a big thing. Paul says here, he talks about his past. He says, but one thing I do, we got to learn how to remember. We got to learn how to forget. Gene Getz wrote a book. Back in 1924, there was a group of men that was going to climb Mount Everest. They didn't make it. Two of them died. The rest of the group made it back safely. A few years later, that group got, went up again and failed again. They were having a meeting, and they were all getting together again, thinking about doing it again. And they had a big mural on the, on the wall. It was a picture of Mount Everest. And one of them was so overcome with emotion, he went up to that picture, and he says, Mount Everest, we tried to conquer you, and you defeated us. We tried it again, and you were too much for us. But we'll conquer you, because you're not going to grow any taller, and we're going to get a lot bigger. And that's really what this is all about, getting bigger in Jesus. That's what growing in the Lord is. I want you to stand with me. How God changes us. Here's what God has to do to change us. He's got to get you to remember the things you need to remember and to forget the things you need to forget. And if you are held and captive and bondage to either one of those, it's going to put a, a hindrance to what the Lord can do to get you to grow up in the likeness of Jesus Christ. Here's what our prayer is about this morning. Have you forgotten things you once remembered? 
And are you carrying around some things today that you need to forget about? If God's put, brought anything to your mind on either one of those, because the Holy Spirit's trying to point it out to you. I want you to make your way down here, either remembering or forgetting. Where are you? What is holding you back? What's got you tied to that stake? What is a wound that won't heal for you? Come on, if you need prayer in either one of these areas, the things you need to forget, the things you need to start remembering again. Heavenly Father, these are your people. We're people that's on a journey. We're on a journey, Lord. It's a race. It's not a sprint. We've got to lay off the weight, the sin that does so easily beset us. We've got to get rid of baggage in our life, Lord. And let the blood of Jesus cleanse us. God, we've, we forget too many things that you've told us to remember. And we've let dust collect on them. And we've let things go that once were a top priority in our life. And then there's some here, Lord, that's carrying around old gaping wounds of their heart and their hurts and opportunities that slid by that they can't ever get over. I pray, God, for your healing touch on each one of us here today. We need the healing touch from God. We sing the song, He touched me. We need your touch, Lord. We need a touch on a daily basis. We need our priorities once again to line up to where we're spread too thin. We've got too many irons in the fire. Jack of all trades, master of none. May we just have one thing as a top priority in our life. Serving Jesus and letting Jesus be all that he wants to be in us. God, I pray here today before we leave, I pray, God, that you would deal with those things that's holding back people from being able to grow up in Jesus Christ. Bring healing, bring comfort, bring deliverance. We've got to give it to you. And we've got to turn loose of it. We can't keep picking it back up. What you've dealt with, Lord, we leave it with you. May we walk away with newness of life. No more baggage. No more bondage. It's time to grow. It's time to press on. It's time, it's time to conquer that mountain that held us back. Father, we pray in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. May your healing touch be here today for your glory and honor. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord for his love. Tonight we're going to have a gospel sing. You're invited to be a part of it.